Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Hello, the stands. Good to be here. I've got my sunglasses on. I'm hoping that that will work and do something, <laughs> some kind of magic. It's very wet here at Edinburgh. Welcome to the Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehef. Yes, not many cool kids in today. That's what I suspected may be the case. Uh, <laughs> people may have come to see Dave Gorman today rather than me, which is fine, uh, as long as you paid. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a daily podcast. Uh, we've been going, uh, this is about the eighth one. I've lost track. It's a terrible, it's a different show every day. It's, it's an awful, awful, terrible thing for me. And so we, uh, I've been to the gym today. Yeah, keeping it up. I went swimming. Uh, I've, had, I've had some problems with Ian Virgin at the Virgin Gyms as... Uh, He's the guy who runs Virgin Gyms, Ian Virgin, he's in charge. And uh, they're named after him. Uh, and uh, he uh, really isn't my audience today. Uh, uh, the, people are, the, pe the people at home are enjoying this like, odd silence. Uh, yeah, Richard Herring has gone mentally ill. He thinks, uh, thinks uh, <laughs> the man who created Virgin Gyms is called Ian Virgin. It was a very odd moment. There'll be a lot of in-jokes like that that are uh, just going to go like uh, dead way with David. David will be on soon, don't worry. But uh, the other day I got, they would they made, they made charged me a pound for a towel. And so yesterday I kind of didn't do anything. I snuck and stole one. I felt like I, I, I didn't steal it. I, I mean, I borrowed it for the duration. And I felt like a London rioter, I tell you. I have to <laughs> That's how it starts. That's how law breaks down. But today I think Ian Virgin has relented because not only did they have towels piled up that when I went swimming, they were like sarcastically almost piled up on all the sun loungers. There was three <laughs> towels. It's like Ian Virgin has realised the bad publicity he's had from this. It's still number one. It's the number one podcast. Uh, yeah, this Rich Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. That's never happened before. It's been there for two weeks. That is insane. I think Dave Gorman's uh, presence may, may shoot us even further up the charts today. We'll be at number zero. They'll have to go into negative numbers to uh, start measuring how successful this is. Uh, so that was good. Uh, it's been raining. I've been all this week. I've been uh, I've been teasing and mocking the man down the Royal Mile who's been building an ark. And uh, today I feel <laughs> going. What are you doing with all those animals? Going to bum them, mate? Are you? And then I feel a bit of an idiot now. I'm saying, can I? I said sorry about all the stuff I said. Can I still come on? Can I come on board? <laughs> he said, no, you can't. Should have believed in me earlier. That's the way, it, the way it works. And um, we do a, a competition at the end, and um, the uh, the prize today is magnificent, which is good. A, there's a, uh, a stand T-shirt. That's so you can you can pretend you work at the stand. You can probably get into every show if you just walk in with that. Going, yes, okay, me. That's what you have to do. Remember, and they're all so pissed here all the time. They're going, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also we've got. Uh, Especially Chris Cooper on the sound. If this get, I'll be very surprised if this is even being recorded today. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it is in his mind. But uh, and I've also just received a box of every single thing that Go Faster Stripe, the Welsh uh, uh, DVD manufacturing company, produced, which is all my DVDs, some of Stuart Lee's DVDs, Tony Law, Robin Ince. It's uh, there is also. the Piece de la Resistance, uh, Andrew Collins uh, audio book. <laughs> Where did it all go right? Chris did tell me he has got a few of those. I said you could send me a whole box of those. I'll give, I'll give like two away as the booby prize. But um, if you don't win, uh, but uh, Chris did tell me, and I hope Andrew's not listening. If you're listening at home, Andrew, don't listen. He did tell me that he'd, uh, you know, those uh, no, websites you can go to where you scan in the barcode or something, and then it tells you how much you can get. 
if you've got like old DVDs and stuff, you can scan in the barcode and then it'll say, you can get three pounds for this DVD. And then it'll send you three pounds and you send the DVD. He was considering trying to send all of Fanta Collins <laughs> audio books to that, see what he could get. But they only let you do one at a time. So it's, uh, and my suspicion is that they wouldn't sell that one. Uh, but you know, got good, got good money for it. So you get that amongst lots of other stuff as well. That is an incredible prize. It is literally worth about 300, 400 pounds. Uh, so, and there's, and we'll keep you occupied in comedy for a long time. So someone here today is going to win that. That's awesome. Uh, what else has been going on? We've got, um, We've got some great uh, lineups coming up. I'll mention them now because I often forget. Tomorrow is Paul Sinha, who is uh, absolutely br doing brilliantly at Edinburgh this year. And I was very funny on Radio 4 the other week uh, doing his uh, show about uh, cricket. Uh, we've got Francesca Martinez on Saturday and Sarah Millican on Sunday. So do book ahead for those. Um, I... Uh, I, I tripped over on stage last night. I nearly killed myself last night. I've been I've been joking about uh, dying on stage because I've, I've uh, this is quite I'm doing quite a lot this year for an old man and uh, I, I'm quite exuberant in my other show at the points where I'm really shouting and I kind of feel like a, a sort of strain in my chest. I think I'm probably going to peg it on stage one of these days. Hopefully not this Edinburgh, but it'd be quite a good way to go. I wouldn't mind doing doing Tommy Cooper, but I nearly did a lot of sort of ridiculous. I mean, I talk about my slapstick family on stage, but yesterday I was bowing and I stepped back and the the coil the microphone. Uh, lead was kind of all coiled up on the floor and I've got these stupid expensive flamboyant shoes I wear I caught the heel of those in the thing and then tripped over backwards and I nearly kind of fell on my head and smashed my head open but managed to retain my balance and then pretended I was doing a dance <laughs> and I did a little dance to the music uh, I don't think anyone noticed I think I got away with it just thought isn't he flamboyant Richard Herring doing a little He's very energetic in the show, so hopefully I won't be uh, killed. And I was enjoying uh, the Sky coverage of uh, the London riots and the Manchester riots and the, the actual the sweeping up of the, the well, I guess, the, the, the courts today. If, you look, if you're watching the news today, they're, they're, they're Sky are hanging around by the, court, the courts with all the people going in and out and sort of naming and shaming them and, you know, and showing them in the paper, and, and, and they are, which is weird because they haven't been convicted yet. They're just going in and out, of course, so that's an awful thing. And Sky going, we have got an agenda here we are trying to fill, put cameras in courts we're trying to change the law so we're allowed to put cameras in courts in this kind of sinister awful thing Sky it kind of seems wrong to pick out there's so many people rioted to pick out one girl who, I think there's a girl they picked on who um, had taken her TV back she'd stolen her TV and then and then fell guilty about it three days later and taken it back and then they were zooming in on saying who she was it's awful awful people and I kind of wonder it's kind of interesting that all this amazing news in the last one there's been amazing news not just Paul Daniels being hit in the face by a pizza <laughs> thrown by Sooty I mean that in a normal year that would be the main news story you get to the review of the year and that would be it. There's been more than that now this year. But it's all come up since Murdoch was in court and was, was the main news. Suddenly then loads of stuff started happening in the world <laughs> that you would think someone who had millions and millions and billions of pounds could probably pay people to start creating atrocities and starting riots. It seems an odd coincidence to me. And then, and then starts to go, yeah, now because of this, we're going to put cameras in the courts and override democracy itself and justice. Uh, so anyway, I'm a bit cross about that. But so uh, we'll move on. And uh, I think we will get our guest onto stage because we're all very keen uh, to speak to him. I hope he's there, ready to come. It's, uh, I've always been a massive fan of uh, this gentleman, as I know you have. Will you please welcome the incredible Dave Gorman, ladies and gentlemen. David Gorman. Here he is. Hello. You can sit on this little stool I'm if you like. 
I'm going to do just that. Then you talk it. If you're talking to the mic, then they can hear at home. I will do that. It's although good. it does feel when we perch on these stools together like we're going to do a song. We could do. Well, it does feel a bit folk. We can do it, Dave. We, it? we go little beards going on. Yeah, we, yeah, that's, yeah. That could be our next direction. So uh, let's, let's not do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've both got in too many directions already. We, we don't need to be doing I that. I think that's true. So you're up in Edinburgh. What is this? You haven't been up for a little while. I haven't been you? up for eight years. What? I did eight years back to back and then eight years off. You're um, like Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. You're like <laughs> that's exactly me. Eight years on, eight years off. That's <laughs> it. That's, all I, that's my pattern. Um, so yeah, no, it's weird because I'm in the same room as I was um, eight years ago. Oh. And I, I turned up on the day of the technical thing, and it felt like I'd been away for two weeks. And there's a man saying, "Do you want me to show you where the dressing rooms are?" I was going, "No, I know where. I knew where everything was. I yeah. knew what was behind." Did cupboard they think doors you were a new things. new act? To the people. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I have got people leafleting for me who haven't got a clue who I am. They were twelve when I was last here. <laughs> oh. It's a bit depressing. I've got people leafleting for me who weren't alive when I first came to the Edinburgh Fringe. That is, that is more, much more. I don't think anyone who's leafleting for me was alive when, we first, when I first came to the Edinburgh Fringe, which is a horrible, horrible thought. Um, so what's what's the uh, what's the especially as I want to have sex with them all, uh, but um, no. even the especially the boys, madam. That's right. Sorry, have you, is this your, have you come with your mum? Is this your mum? No, just friends. Oh, sorry. <laughs> bit embarrassing. Either you're not this. You're not the same age, though, right? Because that's no. What kind of friends are you? Oh, she's your friend's daughter. Uh, sorry. Could have been a massive faux yeah. pas there. I don't. I just say don't come to this show with your mum because I will notice that and then I will start embarrassing you. But you've come with your mum's friend. You've embarrassed yourself. That's fine. It's a. Uh, uh, watch out for her. That's all I'm saying. I would watch out for your mum's friend. Yeah. I, yeah. We've heard that story before, right? Hey. We know what's going on there, don't we? Sorry, Dave. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> I always find it really weird in interviews. It's, always, it's only, uh, you never really see this with father and son, but in interviews, there's lots of sort of actresses who say, and the best thing about growing older is like me and my mum, we've become friends <laughs> now. And you think, oh, fuck off. <laughs> she is your mother. It's not, you don't become friends. You, no. you maintain a mother-daughter relationship. I, I don't so. believe it. I, in my show, I argue that uh, children aren't capable of loving their parents at all, ever. And people don't like it when I say that, but because they think they think that their kids love you, but they don't. You know, a child isn't capable of love. So, uh, have you, do you really think? I that? do. I think a child. I think a child. I think. I think maybe maybe a child is incapable of anything but love. <laughs> no, Richard, I don't think so. And that's how you tell us apart. I think. Uh, I think. Um, I, you know, I talked about love because I've, I've been trying to do this with, with all the... I should have done this earlier in the, in the run, but I should just talk to all the comedians about love and then just nick their material about it. Yeah. Uh, that's, my, that's my clever plan. I should have done it at the start and then I could yeah. have a show by the end. Uh, but um, no, I think... It's stupid to record the evidence, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I you're can not Keith Chegwin. You're I can, <laughs> I can Keith Chegwin's it. cleverer than that. He just denies all knowledge. Oh, Richard, I'm recording it and broadcasting it and then stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think a child love is about empathy and about sharing and giving it's an equal relationship and a child only takes what it can from the world it's not and especially a baby a baby is the world revolves around it the baby does thinks it is the world for yes a long no time. it does yeah babies so, are, are so born it's, thinking it's getting you know it yeah. needs you David depends on you it says it loves you because it's worth so, so you you're arguing then that dogs are incapable of love yeah of course as well yes definitely oh you're an idiot I'm not <laughs> 
Is that your argument? I've seen sites with other blokes like you. Yeah. There's a site. There's a there's a yeah, website yeah. about a man who uh, believes that dolphins. Who loves are dogs and do- children. <laughs> <laughs> He's capa- he believes dolphins are capable of loving human beings, and it's possible to have a, yeah, a yeah. zoophilia. It's called. It's, yeah. uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think we would go here today. Not so soon. <laughs> I thought we'd build up to this. I thought, how can I get Dave onto the subject of bestiality? I, I'll work up to it through the course of the, of the podcast. But, but it's I'm straight such a nice there. word, zoophilia, isn't it? Because yeah. it just suggests that you love zoos. <laughs> but you don't. You want to wank off a dolphin. That's yeah. what it means. I'm sorry to. And the uh, if you are going to have sex, there's some good t- tips. If you're going to have sex with a dolphin on that website, look it up. Just pr- probably zoophilia and dolphin sex. That you'll probably find it. You must be careful when you ask Jeeves how <laughs> to wank a dolphin. You must be careful. I like to provide a surface. If you're sucking off a dolphin, do be careful because the ejaculation is so <laughs> intense it could break your neck. So just make sure. It's good for all those girls who don't like to swallow. It's a good excuse. <laughs> Go out with a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever had sex? Have you ever thought of doing a book about that, Dave? Going around the world, having sex with different animals. I've, It'll come to it. I've written the manuscript. I <laughs> just can't get a publisher interested, Richard. It's out there. If anyone's good enough to come to me and say, we'll publish it, then it's, the manuscript is ready to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> next year's show. Yeah. We can have a competition between the two of us. Who can have sex with the most animals? I think I will win by having sex with, <laughs> by having sex with one animal. Yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back. We'll sort of split up, go yeah. around the world. I'll come back and go, yes, Dave, I had sex with 500 different animals. You go, I stayed at home and played darts. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what would happen. You fool. So what is the show about this year? Uh, what crazy adventure have you gone on around the world? Uh, much as everyone what? imagines, that's what I do. Uh, I haven't done... There's nothing of the sort involved in, in this show. Uh, it's, it's not themed in that way. It's not about PowerPoint. The show is called uh, Dave Gorman's PowerPoint Presentation because that's how what it is. I'm putting stuff on a screen using PowerPoint, uh, and I had to come up with a title before I'd written the show. So um, that was all I knew was going to be in it. Um, but there's there's no theme to it at all. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really cover any. Th- 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 no, it's like any. It's like it's basically an illustrated stand-up show. So it goes mm. through different topics. I talk about my relationship, and I talk about Jim Davidson, and I talk about all yeah. sorts of other. But not I don't not the two. <laughs> and, uh, and it's but it's all. Sort of illustrated and backed up uh, with PowerPoint. The thing, and I think other comics kind of get is when you're on stage, what you're trying to do is make everyone go at the same time. If I told a joke now and three of you got it, and then the other lot of you went, oh, they got something, and oh, now I've got it, and it kind of rippled, it wouldn't be as satisfying as if you tell a joke and you all went at the same time. And it's better than no one laughing, though, isn't it? That is true. It's be- <laughs> yeah, well, no, that wasn't a joke. Oh, no, that was true. a conversation okay. about a joke. Okay, that's different. Good. That's yeah. fine. Uh, but uh, so what the what the PowerPoint really does is kind of underlines it, and it makes every it sort of weirdly hypnotizes people, and it makes the room react as one. It's a really neat trick of making the whole room sort of get everything at the same time. You're hypnotizing them. Yeah, through that's good. <laughs> I, I structure my shows like a Methodist rally, basically. <laughs> it's just a sc- yeah. circle going round and round. You're going, this is the best show you've ever seen. Go and tell all your friends. And the it best was thing amazing. is they walk out and they've forgotten it so they can come back again tomorrow as well. It's uh, fantastic. <laughs> That's what Paul McKenna used to do. Yeah, so it's all good. It's all, have, you, have you been to see? Have you been to see any other shows? I've been to you see loads. Me actually. the kind of man who does that. I've seen nothing. I used to see nothing. I used to. You kind of want to see stuff, and and it used to be a lot of a lot of comics are going. And I need to get my head right. I need to get my own show bedded in. I'll see stuff next week. And, and I used to be one of those. And I came off stage on the first night and thought I want to go and see a show now. And I've seen two or three shows a day since. Wow. So I've been really kind of healthy. That's good. What's the best it. thing you've seen? Uh, I love the horn section. Okay. Uh, which is Alex Horn uh, and. 
and some amazing jazz musicians hosting a very, very, very silly late-night cabaret in the Spiegel tent at George Square Gardens. And it's hilarious. Alex is just so sort of right for a show like that. And it's really refreshing because you've got things like Late and Live, which are a bit sort of beery and, and they're kind of a bit of an encouragement to the mob of the audience. Mm -hmm. And this has got some structure to it and you've got a late-night drunken crowd watching smart stuff instead mm -hmm. and Alex manages to sell that to them and I think that's a really lovely thing. Good. Well, there's a recommend. We'll go and see that. That's, you were on. You were in it last night, were you? I that's did it last night. It's weird because you do something uh, sort of different. I'm only doing other gigs when it's obviously not a part of your show, when it's a sort of different kind of challenge. Um, and on the horn section, you had to kind of do something which the band can get involved with. And you've got like Joe Stilgo, who's a really respected jazz pianist, playing in his band and basically kind of being a bit of a straight man to Alex and a load of other really talented musicians. So I did an improvised song about the fact that I everything I was wearing was blue <laughs> because my shoes, my socks, my underpants, my trousers, my shirt, my jacket and my hat were all blue because I've been here for a week and I need to do some laundry. Um, <laughs> so I, I sort of you know, got dressed that morning and thought, this is a bit embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> really weird. So I, I sort of did an improvised song. People about aren't going to know your pants are blue, though. That wasn't the, the unless you go around showing them. Unless Which I no, I'm, I'm forty. Of course, yeah. my my trousers are at the normal level. It's absolutely fine. I'm not. An, I'm not an idiot. I know most posters in Edinburgh this year for comics are them wearing tight jeans, which are down, and their pants yeah. are showing, and their skinny t-shirt and all that. But yeah. I'm forty, so I'm not one of them. Uh, and then I did a, a very scatological story that they could sort of put some music underneath, mm. which was. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really good fun show. Brilliant, and uh, you'd been taking photos of stuff around Edinburgh. You go around looking for interesting stuff. You're into, in, massively into photography. Uh, I am into photography, although I've not, I've not had much chance to take photos. I've seen a couple of them. There've been Twitter. a couple, mainly about the weather. Yeah, um, I've seen more broken umbrellas walking from my flat to here than I've ever seen before. It's people me just abandoning them. It's me going around punching people in the street for not <laughs> because they don't. No one gets out of the way. I'm the only person. In really? Edinburgh. Yesterday I did a survey of it. We have an umbrella. I'm the only person who moves my umbrella. I lift it up, I put it to the side, no, and I'm move it. I feel, I'm you know those old-fashioned computer games where it's like a, a, a rocket going through and it's like <laughs> yeah, caves? Yeah. That's yes. what my umbrella is, going up over this one, <laughs> under that one, through there, the through the well, gap. You and I'm, I the same. I'm doing it, yeah. Scramble, that is the uh, yes. game you're thinking yeah, yeah. of. It's a very good game. You should look out for it, kids. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do when I was... Uh, <laughs> I was massively. We should just do a version, which is an umbrella, <laughs> an umbrella on someone's hand, with other umbrellas coming towards it. That you have to dodge. But I, I, I had. Uh, that was one of the games I played as a kid, Scramble. That I really and I never got to the end. And then I bought it on uh, like a DS or something. Yeah. And, took, and then I, I, I when I was DS like is. 40. I honestly don't know what a DS is. Well, like it just shocked me. Grow up. Uh, you meant you meant to like you meant to like know. playing games. That's what you do. Play not computer games. Compu though. Oh, really so suddenly you games. know it's a computer game. Oh, we did. <laughs> We well, we were know. talking about <laughs> a computer game that you bought Suddenly. on a DS, whatever that is. So, yes, I knew it was a computer game. Very oh, I, I bought the chipboard version of that computer game where you roll marbles. I knew it wasn't that, a obviously. DS, I'm not an DS idiot. DS is a, a real-life version of the helicopter you flew around oh, in okay. in Scramble. Right. Uh, but I completed it when I was about 40 years old, so I was very happy with myself. <laughs> and Outrun as well. That was the other one. Did you ever play Outrun? It was used to be down in the... Uh, for, you know when the do you remember when the Gilded Bloom was the Fringe Club? Don't oh, remember do that? I remember? Yeah. Oh, you you remember. youngsters won't remember that. You... Why, why would you? And there was an outrun yeah, game youngsters. downstairs and you, in the basement and pinball machines and things. It was brilliant. And you could go and have a shower there. It's yeah, changed now. It has. 
I had once uh, was using, uh, I used to come up to the fringe with a mate called Paul and we used to sleep in the back of a transit van and we'd go and see five shows a day. Uh, and we'd sleep in a transit van that wasn't a camper van so we could leave it in a car park and no one knew we were in there and we wouldn't <laughs> get into trouble. And then we used to go into like the fringe club and shower and it's like, because yeah. we couldn't afford anything other than our tickets basically. And we used to kind of overdose on culture and I was once in the fringe club having a poo and I looked up and there was a man leaning <laughs> over the top of the cubicle next to me. Yeah. Probably wanking. <laughs> And I was like 15, yeah. and it was petrified me, and I panicked. And he, it was like a rat out of a drainpipe because it, it just was <laughs> gone. And that's an unfortunate turn of phrase. Well, uh, it, <laughs> yeah. perhaps deliberately <laughs> used, but he he was out of that building very sharpish. Once he was, but yeah. there, there was a man whose predilection was to hang around in toilet cubicles, looking over walls to see if other people were defecating. Yeah. Well, look, there's something for yeah. everyone out there. It was, it's, no, that was it's, no, it's no zoo affiliate, is yeah. it? But if there's, there'll be a I, website for it somewhere. I mean, I had come to Edinburgh to broaden my horizons, <laughs> but that was the wrong one. The worst thing, you just yeah. got two stars for the two stars <laughs> in the review. <laughs> Dave Gorman having a shit. Yeah. Two stars. Yeah. <laughs> one rusty star. That is... An it's an anus-based joke. Yeah, it was. This is too good for you people. <laughs> this is pearls amongst swine. <laughs> so, um, what, we were talking, I was talking to Glenn Wall, and this is a bit off-topic now. Yeah. Yesterday, Glenn Wall revealed that he believes in ghosts, he's seen ghosts, oh, and he's seen UFOs. No. Uh, both last year. It's, no. uh, it's sort of a shame when someone goes, oh, I saw a ghost uh, last year, and a UFO last year. Gotta go... <laughs> I could have believed one. The UFO story he told was quite g good and quite believable. But this he is also Glenn saw Wall, the notoriously drug-taking comedian. <laughs> yeah, it is. I didn't want to say anything to his face because yeah, when I when I slightly there, when I slightly there. alluded to that, he looked at me like he was going to stab me in the face. So I I, I pulled away, I pulled back. But if I you saw his show and it's very good this year. But he has amazing. got a lot of material about sort of going through customs and getting worried about what they might find and stuff. So you know, he's, he's fairly open about his uh, use of narcotics. And I think the fact that he's the man of all comics going, yeah, I've seen ghosts. <laughs> and aliens think, come on, man, read a book about what those drugs do. <laughs> come he on. Should, uh, he should give, give the drugs to the ghost to take through customs. That's yeah, what he should yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever... And it's in the papers today that there's been millions of UFO sightings in the, in the UK over the last sort of 20 years and that the Ministry of Defence can't cope with them all and don't do anything about it. Uh, and that they, people think that the Ministry of Defence, apparently, I didn't think this, we're preparing for an alien invasion and would be ready, f would be ready for it if it happens. I'm kind of guessing we won't be ready for it. It's I quite don't know, hard I've, to plan uh, for. Have you seen Attack the Block? Uh, I haven't yet. No. It's a really, really good, yeah. funny film. But that's like an alien invasion in a kind of housing estate, and it's the young, sort of feral kids who fight them off. And I think actually, if they're going to invade now, we've probably just scared them. <laughs> with the week's news, they were. If they were planning an alien invasion, they've seen the riots and gone, oh no. Yeah. But we can kill aliens with love, can't we? That's what a child's love. That's yeah. what that's what will kill it. Yeah. If we can find one child capable of love, the yeah. aliens will will all that die out. That is the out. plot of a film, isn't it? <laughs> aliens <laughs> coming to Britain, <laughs> of all places, uh, in search of one child capable of love. Yeah, that's a. Have you ever seen a UFO or a ghost, Dave? Because yesterday's uh, guest has seen both those things in the last 12 months and was very interesting as a result. I've never seen a ghost. No. I don't believe in them. Uh, I've probably seen something that was flying and unidentified, but not that I thought was an alien right. craft. Okay. <laughs> Turn out to do be a you kite think, or something. Do you, you think know? that there are uh, aliens that will visit Earth from another world? No, I don't. 
No. I think that that's yeah. quite extra. That's quite, I'm surprised. I think you think no, be. don't you, mate? You think no, you don't. You agree with Dave Gorman? You just that's just peer pressure. You're just agreeing with Dave. There You've might seen Dave be Gorman say elsewhere, going, but the idea that it would necessarily a be capable of coming here and b be interested—it's such an egotistical thing to think we are so interesting that other life forms are going to want to come and visit us. If they're that fucking sophisticated, they must have better things to do. Mm. I think, uh, do podcasts go out into space like radio shows do? Because I think if they hear this podcast, they'll, they'll, <laughs> want, they'll want to come down. Once they've heard about the dolphins. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Aliens have very strong necks. That's the thing. So they'll be, uh, that's, they're renowned for they that. Super strong necks. And they'll be, they'll just be curious to find yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What and that's of like. course, we've seen films and dolphins talk like them. They do. So that's okay. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Well, I'm disappointed. Well, this is a question. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm disappointed you haven't in seen fictional <laughs> things that would make me more interesting have if you, I believed in them. Have but you I ever don't. seen a Jesus? Have you ever have seen, I seen a Jesus? <laughs> well, I've seen pictures. Yeah, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> Has he ever visited you in the night? Uh, <laughs> Has he ever looked over a toilet cubicle at you while you're having a shit? If he's he omnipresent, did have a beard. <laughs> he did. He was thin in the face, and he had a beard. If, if Jesus is omnipresent, as Christians believe he is, then he was also watching Dave Gorman having, having a shit but then the, every then time you've done that's it. That's true whether that man was there or not. That's <laughs> yeah, also yeah. true of all the innocent at-home poos I've uh, ever exactly. had. You know, yeah. Yeah. Jesus has seen every one of your poos and probably rates them. I, I, think, he I, probably, I think he probably has a list of his favourite ones that you did. Yeah, he's probably running that website, davegormanspoos.com, <laughs> isn't he? There is a, there's a weird person uh, stalking me in Edinburgh. Someone has started a hashtag on Twitter of right. Daily Gorman where they just tell people where they've seen me <laughs> on Twitter. And uh, the person doing it is a PR person and they're not even my PR person. <laughs> I think if I was their client, I'd be so angry that they were promoting somebody else. And they see you every day. How yeah, do they manage to. that? I don't know. They live next door. Yeah, it's not do, your yeah. wife, is it? It's your wife just, doing it. Or they just, no, it's not. No, they just hang out outside my theatre and go, seen him again, going in. Dave Gorman, like, you know, being everywhere. There is a predictable pattern to our lives while we're here. We go to the same place at the same time every day. Stuart Lee doesn't like that about Twitter, though I don't think he really gets Twitter. No. That he thinks that people can then say where he is and then everyone will know where he is. But yeah. that is also true of a telephone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the internet in general, yeah, yeah. blogs, anything. That just is a just letter. True. I saw Stuart Lee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you could send to all your friends. But do, do, are, you a, are you a fan of Twitter and I, the internet? I love Twitter, yes, I do. And there's, there's quite a lot of um, sort of Twitter stuff in my show. Uh, like when I talk about Jim Davison, I'm sort of talking about a weird sort of interaction I had with him on Twitter. And I think some people kind of go, oh, you're using Twitter. And I go, <laughs> well, actually, it's a conversation, isn't it? Yeah. And if you went to see a stand-up and they were saying, anyway, I met this bloke the other day and he said this and I said that and he said this and I said that, you wouldn't think that was remotely odd. And all Twitter is is another version of where that's happening. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. It doesn't seem difficult or odd to me to be using it. It's just it's useful with PowerPoint because I can actually put the things on the screen so you know I'm not making it up. Yeah. And Jim Davidson really did say that. I to didn't me. know Jim Davidson was on Twitter. I'm, well, like, you know what? I'm taking it at face value that it is him. Right. It could be someone pretending to be Jim because that I'd is also imagine. what happens. Imagine. It's kind of amazing the paucity of ambition that people have when they pretend to be someone. <laughs> you go, I know yeah, who yeah, I yeah. pretend to be. Yeah, Jim yeah. Davidson. Now. I can I be did. anyone I want in the world. You know, you could, could be an historical figure. You could be Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Many years ago, I came back. You just reminded me. I came back from. Uh, I'd been in the states for like four months, and then I came home. And the first sort of offer of work was a, a 
panel show hosted by Les Dennis. <laughs> and I was just so grateful that anyone had remembered me after I'd been away for so long. I was like, yeah, no, sure, I'll do that. Yeah, fine. And it was a pilot. It wasn't going to be broadcast. So I thought, it's safe. It's just a bit of money in the bank. It's fine. What can, you know, it'll be, it'll be all right. So I went and did this thing, and Arabella Weir was on it, and Les Dennis was hosting it, and I was on another team. And, you know, it was, it was a nice afternoon in Camden filming this thing. And then we all had a glass of wine after. And there's this weird kind of ego thing that goes on. And Arabella was going on about the internet. And she was going, oh, you know, and all about Heat magazine and those spotted columns. And people on, on the internet saying, I've seen you here and I've seen you there. There was one in Heat magazine about me the other day. And so I said, oh, I saw Arabella Weir in such and such a juice bar having a juice. I don't even drink juice. I've never <laughs> been in there. Oh, they're just making it up to try and get £40 out of the magazine. And I, I was back in my head, I was thinking... I don't think anyone was thinking, who shall I make up? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Arabella Weir. I, I'm sure they think they saw you. I, I think that's more believable than I'll make up Arabella Weir. But I couldn't say that. I didn't want to challenge, you know, I'm confrontational, and she's a very nice woman, and I'm just going along with it. And then Les Dennis started getting in on it, going, yeah, 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 yeah. I had one the other day. I had one spotted Les Dennis scrabbling for change at a parking meter. I, I mean... That's what you do at a parking meter. <laughs> Everyone scrabbles for change. He was getting really worked up about it. And again, I'm thinking, I think that's the point, Les. <laughs> They're pointing out they saw you doing a normal thing. They, they weren't saying, ha, 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 poor Les Dennis Hunter. They were just pointing out that you're human, you're normal, you're doing a thing like everyone else. But again, I didn't say And I kind of felt like I had to join in with the conversation, and I had been spotted recently. And as I said it, I didn't realise it was such a one-upmanship. You've got all oh, spotted drinking juice, you've got all oh, scrabbling for change. And I went, yeah, I had one. I got um, giving money to a beggar outside Tesco. I thought, I am Jesus. <laughs> I walk amongst you. <laughs> and I wasn't trying yeah. to gainsay them or be better. I wasn't um, even scrabbling for change. I had it already yeah, in my yeah. hand. <laughs> I had it all prepared in a little bundle. I have, I have a little Monday de purse that I carry. My, <laughs> I gave it to the beggar. <laughs> Walked away from it. I've just tried to best Arabella Weir and Les Dennis. <laughs> And succeeded. <laughs> I love that, those weird <laughs> subconscious idiot. things. I saw Paul Daniels' show while I was up here, and it's it's actually good, right? He's a he's a good magician, and it's an enjoyable show, and his patter's really good, and he's he's still sharp, and and I would genuinely recommend it as an entertaining thing. Uh, but in the middle of it, he does jokes about his old wig. And he takes his wig off and he does different sort of things. And, and he's explaining how he used to use it for a gag, really, and he wasn't being vain and, and the media didn't understand him and stuff. And he's giving examples of the gags. And one of them, he sort of tucks it inside his shirt, so he's got a hairy chest, and goes, oh, look, Gary Glitter. Right? And people laugh. <laughs> and then he takes it out and goes, obviously, I don't do that one anymore. And people laugh again. And then he feels <laughs> the need to add, oh, I hate that stuff. <laughs> didn't need to add that. That's why we laughed when you threw it away that I don't do that one anymore. But it's very important. I make it, it very clear. I hate that stuff. <laughs> that stuff is slightly... Uh, <laughs> I hate that. Ooh. Oh, it makes me quite cross. Yeah. <laughs> I've no I time at all for that, really. Mm. <laughs> so but you were one of the first people to use the internet, I guess, for comedy, really, was with the, uh, the Google Whack which must be pretty much impossible now to get a Google Wax. Uh, it is. I get sent them all the time by people, and they're never actually Google Wax. Right, so Google Wax, you put two words into Google. Two words, and it no quotes. One, 
it just arrives at one page, and that page has to be a, they have to be real words. You can't go making up words or misspelling words or anything like that. And the page it lands at has to have it can't just be a word list because there are pages of the internet which are just like twenty thousand words in alphabetical order, and, mm -hmm. and it doesn't count if it's on one of those right. as well. Um, and yeah, it was kind of hard eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, but the internet grows exponentially. It's probably 30, 40 times bigger than it was back then, so it's almost impossible now. Yeah. Oh, People well. still try. And they sort of send them to me like, have you got this one yet? <laughs> <laughs> like, as if I was somehow cataloging... <laughs> every possible instance <laughs> of it. And then people yeah. say, you shouldn't have done that show, you've ruined that. I looked for those words and there are no... Those two words that your book told me was a Google back, there are now 25,000 pages. <laughs> like, you've ruined that. <laughs> yeah. what? Sorry, was, was the internet going to be preserved in aspic <laughs> if I'd not done that show? It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's like they're not, you know, they're, they're, until you've discovered them, they don't exist as well. That's the thing, isn't it? So you've, you've destroyed yeah, yeah. the magic of something that doesn't... Yeah, but it's actually really weird, has no magic. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, just a thing. <laughs> and it's not a tourist. It's not like loads of tourists are suddenly <laughs> flocking to a little-known Nepalese village because of me. It's just two words on the internet. It's fine. They're uh, still there, being words. So I, I, I ask uh, every guest this question, uh, since Matthew Crosby was on. <laughs> what would it take for you to fillet the actor Keith Allen? What would you What would you need in return for, for that? Keith Allen. Yeah. You have to fillet him to to completion. What what would you need in return for that to happen? Well, I did it for thirty quid, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt short change. So I'm going to say more than thirty pounds <laughs> more than next 30 time. That's good. Yeah. Good to know. Not well, falling for that again. Good to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm every day I do uh, an Edinburgh memory. I look back into the past of Edinburgh yes. and find. So if you can think about if you have one, I'll tell you my one. I think I'm not. I have to work out from the beginning every day, even though I have worked this out already. First game, 87, 88, three years off, 89, 1991. Uh, then I came in 92. I've talked about that already. I think I've talked about 93. 1994, it was. You know, if I prepared, that would be five seconds of jokes you could have had there. <laughs> because I'm unprepared. I prepared, but forgot. I was doing two shows that year. Uh, I, I think I was doing um, Richard Herring is Fat with, um, yeah, how things have changed, eh? Uh, I fucking wish I could go back to being that fat again because I wasn't that fat. I uh, was really annoyed that year because I'd written a show called Richard Herring is Fat. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and just got nowhere with it. I recreated the Demi Moore pregnancy. I remember pose, it well. But it was a lovely say, say the same year, uh, Naylor and Parsons did the same poster the same year, even though there was two of them and neither <laughs> of them were particularly fat. <laughs> and it wasn't anything to do with their show. It was slightly annoying, yeah. but theirs was shit, as, as you'd expect. Uh, so, <laughs> a lot of uh, Andy Parsons fans in. <laughs> Thought that would be crowd-pleasing. I love him, really. I lived with Andy Parsons for a couple of... I like for a few months. He's all right, name. That's uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> terrible, I've gone off the... Uh, so that was with Sally Phillips and uh, and Kevin Eldon, the actor Kevin Eldon, yeah. were in that show. And I also did a show called This Morning, Richard, Not Judy, which uh, was way before we did it on TV. It was... A, Stu did it most days, but it was just an... It was a bit like this. Yes. In fact, it ended with a true or false competition. Did exactly really? like this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have stolen that from myself. <laughs> It's good. When you get so old, you can steal old ideas that you've yeah. had. And originally, actually, I'll, no, I'll make that one of the true. I'll make that one. Remind me okay, later. Yeah, that's yeah, gonna yeah, be, I'll okay, tell yeah, you where yeah. I originally got the idea from or didn't, and you'll have to work out whether it's true or false, and then I will tell you. It'll be true, because that's what he was going to Well, no, because I might change. 
I might change it. I you might change code it. And then, it'll be true. You I can might see where he was it. going. He wasn't. He wasn't I going. I might change oh, it. Oh, I'll tell them a lie now. He was no, going to change it. Now, I'm going to change it. And tell you that truth later. Then I reveal. Unless now it's a really big double bluff because I've kind of really forced his hand. But with now I'm going to have to go back and double double bluff and say the real thing. But with that show, we auctioned tickets. That was the that was the unique selling point, which was a quite good idea. It was the only Edinburgh show I ever made money on for years because they sold it, but they had to sell like twenty at the box office, but all the rest we were allowed to auction. And then so some days. People would get a, a ticket for five p, and yeah. sometimes they'd get they would pay a hundred and twenty pounds for a ticket <laughs> because if you paid the most money, you got like prizes and stuff oh, as well. Right, okay, yeah, but yeah. so people were vying to Is pay. That the what most. you gave a car away? Yeah, we something? gave I gave a car away. So that was there was ma- amazing prizes, not quite as good as, as this uh, go fast. In fact, actually, that's actually this is worth more than the car they gave away. Genuinely, is worth more than the car they gave away. The car cost three hundred and fifty pounds, uh, and it was MOT'd for about another three months or something like that. And the guy who won it came out and we had, they had no idea it was going to be car thought this is we weren't spending any money on publicity and we thought we did all this thing about where all the money goes in Edinburgh we thought well, let's spend the money on prizes and actually the audience will get the stuff and it'll get publicity which it did the guy who won and no idea was going to win had the exact same car <laughs> exactly the same exactly the same brilliant, color brilliant. and I and I think I saw him online uh, talking about it recently and he said he, on the way home he crashed the car they got <laughs> Hey, so, it's all right. I got another one. We could have killed, right. could have killed him, but luckily he's fine. Uh, but uh, the the memory I have, there's been a few times I've had. You know, you get so stressed out in Edinburgh. There's times where you have fights, and I had. An, I think the next tomorrow I'll probably tell the story of the nearly proper fight I had. But with in when we were auctioning tickets for the summer, which not due to one day, the BBC were recording something inside Pleasance One, and uh, it was like a radio play, and it was just a rehearsal, and there was a band in it. And the band included uh, that guy from the Flying Pickets with the uh, sideburns, with the big sideburns, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in also in the play was the woman who plays Del Boy's wife. Ra- is it Raquel? Yes, the wife. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. uh, can't think of her na- real name. Uh, but they were b- out there, and they th- and and the, the band were all kind of famous musicians. And I was so I was trying to auction my tickets, and they were rehearsing over the sound. I was getting angrier and angrier because they were meant to have finished. And then yeah. I, and then one of them kind of came up to me and basically offered to you know was going oh fuck off you know you know shut up and I, was going, and I actually had my jacket off. I took my jacket, and I'm not I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And I'm not much of a lover. I love you. I'm a, I'm I mean, love you taking fighter. your jacket off. I took my jacket it's off. Such an old-fashioned <laughs> way of starting a fight. It's Queensbury rules. I was, I was ready to go, and then like, my audience started holding me back to stop me going for this guy. It was. <laughs> it wasn't the guy from the Flying Pickets, but he was in a band. She knew he was, uh, and. Um, and then they w- they managed to stop. So luckily, we didn't get into a fight because he was looked pretty hard. The guy I was squaring up to, but just in Edinburgh madness, I was ready to go. And I remember, um, and then a guy kind of came and knelt down before me. One of my fans going, well, "We're not worthy. We're not worthy." Trying to calm me down, and I thought he was taking the piss, and I nearly punched him. Right. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, Raquel from uh, Only Fools and Horses said, "What a horrible man." <laughs> so ever since then, I've worn that in mind, even though yeah. she was right. And if I ever write a TV show again, I'm going to get her in. I'm going to get her in and I'm going to get Keith Allen in to audition for it. I'm going to get them audition. Yeah, that was a really good audition you did there. But you will not get the part because of the yeah. because you, Keith, did that in 1987. Remember when you moved the crash mat? And you, <laughs> revenge is a dish best served in my own imagination. Because... That will or never incredibly happen. Incredibly late in the day. <laughs> yeah. That's the and Keith Allen would go, All right, I don't really mind. I'm doing. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Dave Gorman sucking me off. It's fine. It only cost, only cost me 45 quid. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dan yeah. Andrzejewski needed world peace for that, and uh, yeah. Dave Gorton sold himself cheap. I really have, haven't I? Uh, what's, uh, I what, got my head right now. What is your? Have you do? Do you have a favourite uh, Edinburgh memory I think story? Only in that this kind of sums up what it's like on the performance side of things. Year the f- uh, 1995, I was hosting the Comedy Zone, and I used to have a routine which sort of went through, I was hosting it so I'd do a bit before someone and then another bit and another bit and, and in each bit there was a, a joke that was building and it used to end with me unravelling a roll of velvet with several teaspoons sort of sewed to it and it was one of those routines that other comics would work with you, everyone knew that I did that bit of material because it was such an odd sort of fairly different kind of thing to be doing uh, and this kind of reveal at the end of it and then uh, List magazine uh, had a review of somebody else which referred to him doing a punchline with a load of teaspoons on a velvet background. Right. And that afternoon, like 30 comics were coming up to me and going, have you seen that bloody review? He's stolen <laughs> your fucking thing. We're going to kill him. We don't like him. <laughs> and they were getting really angry on my behalf. But his show clashed with mine. And I really wanted to go and see his show. I, I was like, I was you know, young and this was my first proper Edinburgh and I was thinking, how dare that? And you get really paranoid about such things. And I couldn't go and see it because it was on at the same time. So my girlfriend of the time said, right, I'm going to go and see him. I'm going to go and sort this out. So she <laughs> went to see this gig, and it was in a little sort of church hall somewhere, and she sat down in the audience, and there were two other members of the audience. <laughs> the review in the list had been a terrible review as well. He got like a, you know, one star, and it was whatever. So it hadn't got an audience. He had uh, an audience of three people, and he started... I'll tell you this before I go through the rest of the story. The bit of material, it was just a complete coincidence. There were just two comedians who'd written different things that ended with <laughs> teaspoons on a velvet background. Just a, like, so that's weird already. He hadn't even stolen anything. So, so she was there under false pretenses. But she didn't know that at the time. So she sat down and looked around. There's like two other people. Uh, and the guy starts, and it's really not going very well. And 15, 20 minutes in, he stops and says, look, this isn't working. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I've only got three of you. It's incredibly hard work. And the truth is, I haven't got three members of an audience because this is my friend, Jackie, (laughs) and she's come along to support me. So actually, I've only got two members of the audience. (laughs) And I know that one of you is a reviewer from the Scots. (laughs) (laughs) So which one of you is it? And this man put his hand up. And he said, right, so you're a reviewer and you're my friend, Jackie, so you are my only legitimate audience (laughs) member. Why are you here? (laughs) She she couldn't bring it to herself to say, I'm here to see if you're stealing my boyfriend's (laughs) jokes. Because that's really hitting a man when he's down, isn't it? Oh, I just read a review. It sounded quite good. I thought I'd come to see It's just hideous, but I think that that is what Edinburgh is like for a lot of people. The paranoia in that and also the reality of of the heart. I think the average audience is something stupid like 12 or 15 percent of yeah. the house. Every time you see something that's sold out, that means there's a load of people out there with literally no one. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I think there was a time where people said the average audience is six people, in every, you know, if you take every yeah, single yeah. show. I don't think that's true. I went, when I was a punter, I went to see, um, when we were sleeping in the back of the transit van and stuff, we went to see an improvised, uh, and some Americans doing an impro thing, and they hadn't turned up. Because, <laughs> because they hadn't had an audience for like three or four days, and there were fireworks on. So, just us. This is too improvised. <laughs> this isn't right. Look, we're going to take a quick uh, break, and we're going to get uh, an, an act on who uh, is going to do five minutes stand up. This guy is absolutely a fantastic comedian. He'll tell you the details of his show, which is neglected. I don't know if it's on purpose or through some arrogant attempt. 
to there really is a competition to see how outside the system step outside the system we're going to be. I think it's because of that. His show is not listed in the Fringe Guide, uh, and so he's done it as a deliberate political statement. I'm going to say that, or it may just be laziness. Uh, so he needs he's uh, he's one of the best uh, comedians working on the circuit at the moment. So you're in for a massive treat, and please go and see his show, and he'll tell you the details of that. It's Nick Doody. I hope. Where are you? He's coming. Hopefully, Nick. Hello, uh, thank you. It's a bit embarrassing. I'm having to very quickly rewrite my teaspoon ending. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks for ruining the one gig I had that year when I thought one person had turned up. <laughs> I didn't want to be doing this. I don't still think I'll be doing stand-up now. I don't think this will be necessary. But then the rapture didn't happen. <laughs> Did you see that, that guy, Harold Camping? He predicted that the rapture was going to be happening uh, in May of this year. And tens of thousands of people believed him, even though he'd been wrong before. Um, <laughs> here's where I think he made uh, a rookie error. He gave a time and a specific date for his religious prophecy. And the trick with religious prophecies is <laughs> leave them vague. <laughs> Otherwise, you leak from religious into mental. Right? Jesus will return. That's just mainstream Christianity. <laughs> Jesus will be at the Arndale Centre at 3.15. <laughs> You're instantly mental. Just leave it vague. That's what I'm saying. It feels a little like the last days, doesn't it? It feels like we're all holding now in Scotland while England is just gradually being burnt off the map. <laughs> it's quite an interesting way of... Uh, I, I don't quite know how it works. It looks like a bit of a, a waste of civil disobedience to me. It'd be better if they had more of a cause rather than just, I'm bored with my old telly. <laughs> but um, the thing that interests me is the talk of the riots spreading, as though that's a thing we should just accept that as a phrase. Oh, yeah, riots can spread, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just a lifestyle choice that if you see it, you know, that's a good idea. How about it? Are you just buying cheese? And someone suddenly reminds you how thin the veneer of civilization is. You see someone stealing a telly. Why am I paying for this cheese? <laughs> Fuck you, deli man. Smash. And that's how the riot spread. How does a riot spread? I can see how it can spread from Tottenham to Wood Green. That's how it, you know, you get carried away, you cross a boundary. Of, you know. But then to Croydon, you have to take a tram for that. <laughs> and then up to Birmingham. And, well, and right, spread from London to Birmingham. But certainly not by car, right? <laughs> I saw the cars, they were on fire. <laughs> Even the most jaded police officer would stop them. But, <laughs> but what that suggests to me is that the riots have spread from one city to another in England by train. <laughs> Who is allowing a train with a riot on it <laughs> to leave London and go and also go through all the intervening stops? People at Watford Junction, well, there's a riot on that train. That's right, they have all got their tickets, so there's nothing I can do. <laughs> Or is the riot, is it spread? Like, does someone carry the riot within them like a dormant virus? <laughs> like, what are they, like, 28 days later, there's just a man on his way up to Leeds thinking, oh, I'm glad I escaped that riot. riot. Although I did touch the riot, I hope nothing bad's going to happen because of that. <laughs> and then and on his way up north, he's like, oh, I was feeling a bit angry, feeling a bit angry. <laughs> then he just comes out of Leeds and goes, ah! touches on the riot spreads. I don't know. 
know how it spread. It literally hasn't spread to Scotland. I imagine there are people who wanted to start riots in Scotland and then looked outside and go, it is too wet. <laughs> it is it is just too wet to even get a fire of any sort started. <laughs> uh, oh, my fist's damp now. <coughs> What is wrong with you people? How are you alive in this godforsaken aquatic hellhole? This isn't water. I bought waterproof things from proper shops that sell them. I didn't riot them. I bought them and asked about them. And the people said, this is waterproof. And I looked that up because waterproof is a very technical term. And then you know, in November, I did some uh, gigs in the Scottish Highlands. And uh, we went up a Munro in my waterproofs. And Scottish water gets through waterproofing. <laughs> what if you got your own tiny molecules of water that can make it to anything? Just, I got down from the hill and my money in my pocket was ruined, just crumbling. <laughs> Coins! Not just... Unbelievable. I love the Highlands, though. They're gorgeous, gorgeous places. It's some amazing places. Places, um, really remote houses you see sometimes. If, you, if you're driving through the Highlands, you go, like, two hours and see nothing but woods and scenery. And then one house, then another two hours seeing nothing. Who lives there? <laughs> What's he hiding? <laughs> and how much does he hate the rest of humanity? What an odd life to have. What's this guy's address? At number one, the woods. <laughs> the woods. IV94. Because everything's an IV postcode. The Inverness postcode is a whore amongst postcodes. You don't even have to be on the mainland to get an IV postcode. There's island. There's places in Spain with an Inverness postcode. <laughs> Went to Inverness. I like the place. Loch Ness fascinated to me. Cause as a kid, I was fascinated by the Loch Ness Monster. Nowadays, I've grown up, I realised it probably didn't exist. And I'm fascinated as well by the idea of a place where the most famous character from that place probably never existed. <laughs> I've done a few gigs like that. It's really interesting. The places are always a bit odd. Like, so you've got like Loch Ness. Uh, Nottingham also has that going. <laughs> uh, Nottingham as was. It's, it's burned down now. Um, also, Bethlehem. Very interesting. <laughs> I love those houses, though, those tiny remote houses. I was th if I lived in a house that remote, I would order pizza every night. <laughs> <laughs> Just mischievously. And it's free if they're not here in 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Did it get in Orkney? And if you go out to Orkney, there's like a mini Orkney on your way, a tiny little disc of an island. The most remote house I've ever seen. It's got its, got its own landmass. You'd have to get there with a boat. Wow, what a weird life to choose. His milkman must hate him, right? <laughs> and I, after the gig on the, the main part of Orkney, Orkney, I think it's called, <laughs> we got a bit drunk in the hotel and I suddenly got obsessed with the idea of stealing a boat and rowing out to this guy's house, mooring up the boat, trudging up his garden path and <laughs> knocking on his door, which would freak him out, right? Who, literally, who could that possibly be? That's not just... <laughs> Just as he answers the door, go, yeah, excuse me, could you keep the noise down? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was fun, those gigs. Uh, in November, uh, we were staying in a hotel in Inverness, and um, my friend, uh, I thought he was my friend, he said to me, do you want to watch the news? There's a big press conference on. I'm like, yeah, cool, all right, yeah, what's going on? What's this bit of current affairs that you think we should watch? And he goes, take that to getting back together. <laughs> no, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> you knew me why would I want to watch unless they're announcing a suicide pact why would I have any interest in that and, my, and he's, he's trying to brazen it I was like oh come on they're a good band <laughs> no they're not and that's still a lie if you drop the word good right? <laughs> they're not a band they're a boy band 
Well, that's a different thing. I can't take boy band music seriously at all for this reason. And if you like boy band music, I'm sorry for what I'm about to make you realise. <laughs> Every boy band song, it's always once, you know, big love song. Almost always a love song, isn't it? Always be a song to one woman. By five blokes. <laughs> and the moment you see it through that filter, every song is just creepy as fuck, right? Every boy band song's, first I'm going to lay you down, or whatever. Then his mate joins him and say, then I'm going to kiss your neck, or something. And the third bloke joins him, then I'm going to touch your bum. I have not memorised the song. You know, no, no. And I'm seeing there's like five blokes on stage and singing about this. And the moment you picture what they're singing about, really? All of you are involved in this. Where is this happening? In which stinking Leeds hotel room is this going down? Every Take That song is about a gangbang. That's why they're called Take That. Thank you very much. Mick Doody. He's refusing to say where he's on, even on this. He won't. It's a secret. You have to find out where he is. 4.55 at the Canada's Gate to oh, the 16th. Oh, you sell out. You've ruined everything. <laughs> letting people know when it's on. You should change the time and venue every single gig. That's what I do. Go out at 4 o'clock in the morning to give the other shows a chance. That's what, I, that's what my TV work was all about. <laughs> You've just reminded me, you know, um, it's the remote Scottish islands and yes. that about TV. This, this is just, uh, years ago, a friend of mine had a TV show and it was on very, 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 very late on Sunday mornings, sort of Sunday night, Sunday morning. Uh, and uh, someone who worked in PR, who was an idiot, <laughs> well, yeah. sent an email <laughs> to everyone in the company they worked for saying, if you're going out on Sunday nights, Please leave your TVs tuned to BBC Two. <laughs> We'd like to up the viewing figures. So one, one, they send it to like a hundred people, and that wouldn't register. But two, nobody knows what your TV is tuned to. There's no actual measure. There's like a, a thousand people in Britain who've got a little computer attached to their TV, and it's all extrapolated from those figures plus yeah. some surveys. Right, and and this is the second story, which is I I don't actually believe this is true but I was told it in good faith, and it can't really be true. Uh, someone who worked in TV was filming in one of those remote Scottish islands. I, let's say the Orkneys, it might have been anywhere else. Uh, and he happened to be in this little old lady's house where they were doing some filming, and he said, oh, by the way, what's that on your TV? And she went, oh, it's a thing that they gave me, and I have to fill in a little diary of everything I've watched on TV, and it tells... And he went, my God, I've met one. <laughs> like, you represent like millions of viewers. If I could persuade you to always watch my things, <laughs> yeah. I, my career will be amazing. <laughs> 1,000 people representing 60 million people. Any one of those boxes, if you can control that, you are so powerful in TV. And he got really excited about this idea. And was going, do you know how it works? Do you know what goes on? And this little old lady said, oh, I don't know, but you could ask Donald next door. He's got one as well. <laughs> 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 2,000! <laughs> <laughs> Two people! It's just one village there. <laughs> I did meet someone at a wedding who had one of those as well. Really? And I was saying, please watch Fist of Fun. It was back when we did Fist yeah, of Fun. Yeah, yeah. And he emailed me recently said he never... He said he apologised. <laughs> said he never... <laughs> and I think he emailed said when I had to write about it, I said it was shit as well, the first episode. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, we're going to do a competition now where one of you is going to win literally everything put out by Go Faster Stripe. www. I can never say it. GoFasterStripe.com if you want to buy a DVDs by a raft, literally a raft at the moment. It's useful in Edinburgh uh, of comedians <laughs> who uh, uh, just who can't, you know, wouldn't probably most of them. Stuart Lee's there, but there's and uh, most of these acts, you know, don't even sell anything. Mean, Andrew Collins is there. I mean, that's how that's how far down the it goes. But everyone apart from Andrew Collins is really good. You get all of Andrew Collins' stuff. But um, but you can use both uh, Andrew Collins' CDs as a kind of paddle for your rap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's so the, there's a t-shirt. Work. A man over there just gave me a Twix. Is that as a prize or is that for me? It's for me to stand on. Okay. Uh, oh, I get it. Oh, no, I, get, I do get it. Good. I get it. Uh, he's referring to uh, a story from a few days ago where I did a, I did a double act with uh, Ben, where Ben Moore, yeah, yeah. where I made him dance, pretend to be my, let's say, simple brother, but it was worse than that. Yeah. Uh, I made him dance for a Twix, and then when he danced, I stamped on the Twix. That was uh, so. Um, it was just a funny sketch we did about mental illness. Uh, so. Uh, Lots of other people have done it since. <laughs> <laughs> so we need you all to stand up. We're going to make some statements that are either true or false. If you think they're true, put your hands on your head. If you think they're false, put your hands on your bottom. Uh, if you get it wrong, you have to sit down. We'll whittle you down. Do self-police this. You are allowed to use physical violence. If, anyone, if you see anyone cheating, the vigilante state is here now. Anyone's allowed to do whatever they want. If anyone is breaking the law, you can do what you want. That is the new laws of Britain. So uh, the first uh, statement of truth or falsehood is that Dave Gorman is unusual amongst comedians in that he is diphylactic. Is that true or false? If you think that's true, put your hands on your head. Put your hands on your bottom if you think that is false. Dave Gorman, unusual amongst comedians in that he is diphylactic. Um... Do you know if that's true or false, Dave? I th I'm, I'm guessing where you're going. And I, I think it's more complex than you might imagine. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. being diphylactic means you have two penises. It'd be very, <laughs> it'd be very embarrassing if I accidentally have stumbled across the truth there. I assumed yeah. it. I assume, about 100,000 no, people are diphylactic. That's what I thought it meant. <laughs> yeah. And where I thought it was more complex than you were imagining yeah. is because I'm thinking, well, I don't, but if I did, it wouldn't make me unusual amongst comedians. <laughs> So it was uh, false. It was false. So sit down if you said false. Uh, there's still there was more than that. Don't cheat. Uh, have you got a statement, Dave? Uh, yes. Um, sit down if you said if you said uh, true. Sorry. Sit down if you said true. It was false. It was false. It right? was false. So sit down if you yes. said true. So the opposite of that. I sit, was quibbling. Sit with down the if you got it wrong. Un unlikely amongst Richard Herring doesn't many. understand the rules of this quiz. True or false? Yeah. <laughs> His own quiz that he made up. Well, I've got to tell uh, you where that came. from. Yeah. My statement is um, in a recent. Uh, stage show, Paul Daniels named a trick after me. Ooh. True or false? Mm. Yeah, going for false. I've seen you. I've seen your decision. What's the... What's the <laughs> I wonder how interesting this is at home, this little pause. It is. We wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need some sort of uh, you know, music. millionaire yeah. Yeah. music mm. for the reveal. Yeah. Uh, it's true. Wow, it's true. Down there, um, the idea for the game, the true and false, hands on the head for true, bums on hands on the bum for false game, came from an episode of Neighbours that me and Stuart Lee saw in the early 1990s. Uh, that was held in whatever the bar in Neighbours was called at the time, Lassiter's, I imagine. True or false? Is that true or false? Would we have stolen from Neighbours, Stuart Lee, the most rigorous <laughs> comedian, plagiarist corner he has? Would he have? Would he have? Would he have lied? Would he have lied? It is true. That is true. So if you said false, sit down. That was the truth of where that I game from. I told you it would be true. I told you. You were right. I did tell you that. 
I'll always listen to Dave Gorman, always agree with him. That's what you've done, and look, you're still in it. Um, staying in Australian soap opera land, my statement will be uh, that Home and Away once had a character named Dave Gorman who was named in my honour. True or false, True my or goodness. False. True or false? A lot of people not believing that, Dave. Is that true or false? It's false. It was Neighbours. Oh, wow. So I had a character named after me in Neighbours. Wow. So, uh, so sit down. Oh, yeah, we're still in there. Uh, Kenneth Kendall, the newsreader. <laughs> <laughs> and the host, the host of Treasure Hunt, is a keen beekeeper. Is that true or false? True or false on that? He loves keeping bees. That's according to my sources. Is that true or false? That is true. Uh, there you go. According to my sources. It might be. Someone emailed me to tell me that. Might be true. It might, might be true. He probably is. Have you Weirdly, got one I heard he died during the making <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> he may have died. I haven't been able to check my. Uh, one day it's going to be true. That's what every day I've done for the last three days. I've got, I've got people with that. It's good. Just start asking ones I've done before. It's good. Like, good. <laughs> Have you got another one, Dave? Uh, yes. In uh, the many times I've been to Edinburgh for the festival and also not for the festival, I have never visited the castle. True, or, true false? or false? Mm, I have to make it. Just have to hurry, you madam. A lot of trues, Dave. Is that true or false? D well, I said I'd never visited it. Yeah. No, I visited it once. Oh, so, so we whittled them down. Who's still in? How many? You're still in? You're still in? Just two people? There's a, there's a variety of prizes, but one, right, we'll, uh, um, Dan Antopolsky, who was my guest the other day, uh, in, he played Jesus in the film The Da Vinci Code. Is that true or false? <laughs> He's gone for false. You go for true. It is true. Uh, it yeah. is actually true. So uh, you've lost this, so you'll get something. Here is, uh, whoops. There is your booty, sir. That is an amazing prize. You can also have uh, two tickets to Josh Howie. I am a dick. He is a dick as well, but he's very funny. Uh, and two. Oh damn! I was going to write a show called Josh Howie's a dick. <laughs> and two tickets to the four star in the, I think in the fest today. Susan Murray photo booth, brilliant show. The guy who lost, you can have some tickets as well. Where are you? Come on up. You can have two tickets and a Twix. How about that? That's your uh, a Twix. There's your ticket. Hold on. I don't know where I put the Twix. Here's the Twix. There you go. I stamped on it. I'd like you to take your young friend to see Josh Howitt. No, I'll, I'll go and see Susan Murray. She's uh, yeah, that'd be more. And uh, the man who gave me the Twix can have two tickets to Josh Howie uh, because he is a dick. Uh, so uh, I think we're done. We're pretty much done. We've run over a little bit. Thank you very much. Uh, Dave Thank is on. You got any tickets left for your show, Dave? Was it sold out? It's sold out till Saturday and then they're available from so, Sunday onwards. Uh, so, yeah, go and see Dave if you get up next week. Uh, I'm in What Is Love Anyway at uh, the Cow Barn. Still tickets available for that. Unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, thank you very much uh, for coming. <laughs> thank you to everyone at the stand. It's the best venue in the world. Come to see everything at the stand. Goodbye. Thank you very much for having us. Bye. <laughs>